Hi there, I'm Bob Pittman, Chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. Welcome to Math & Magic, Stories from the Frontiers of Marketing. This week, I'm talking to the one and only Ryan Seacrest. Love the connection to people. I think at the core, what I get excited about, what gets me up in the morning is connecting with people in an unscripted, unvarnished way. Is getting to to say something to them, hear back from them, know that I'm part of the routine. And I look forward to getting on the air. I look forward to it. In these exciting times, we're looking to the math, the strategy and analytics, and the magic, the creative spark more than ever. Listen to Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Hey, fam. I'm Simone Boyce. I'm Danielle Robay. And we're the hosts of The Bright Side, the podcast from Hell of Sunshine that's guaranteed to light up your day. Like our recent episode with sisters Regina and Raina King about the why behind their production company, Royal Ties. We have such a huge love for storytelling without walls, without barriers. Listen to The Bright Side from Hello Sunshine on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of On Purpose. This week, I talked to Tiffany Haddish in a hilarious, deep, thoughtful interview where we dive into family trauma, grief, sobriety, love, and dating. I got a big heart, and I'm very forgiving, but, like, don't abuse it. It's been abused enough. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss this one. I know you'll be alright Even when times get hard And you feel like you're in the dark You will see Just how beautiful life can be When you soften your heart You can finally start To live your truth Life. Hey everybody, welcome back to The Truthiest Life. It's your host, Lisa Haim, and we are back from our unofficial break that we went on last month. I was a little bit vague as I recorded the intros going into January because I hadn't shared what was going on and I hadn't quite decided how much I wanted to share. Even though I have shared what might felt like quite a bit on social media regarding what went on. I definitely have not shared it all, and I don't plan to share every single detail simply because a lot of what went on has to do with my daughter and her health, and that's her privacy, and without her consent, my husband and I are kind of just figuring out how to navigate sharing things that we're passionate about because so many things, we we learned so many things from going through a really difficult healthcare experience that we think more people should know of. But at the same time, we're going to go really slow to protect her, to honor her life and her inability to communicate what she may or may not want shared. Um, there's no way to get this perfectly right other than to check in with each other, what feels good, and kind of pull back and move forward as time goes on. That being said, in case you've been off of social media, just to kind of give you the overview of what went on in the last few months for me, the cliff notes are I went through a surprise pregnancy at the end of November. It was like, oh my gosh, how am I going to do this? 
I said to myself, God only throws at you what you can handle. And I really stuck to that mantra to the point where I got really excited about having a second. I would have had two under two, which sounded crazy, especially from somebody that was so overwhelmed from the first. But I was just excited for Soli to have like a little sibling and kind of have this concentrated time of being with baby babies. But that began to dwindle. Shortly thereafter, I got signs that it was likely not going to be a viable pregnancy. It was a roller coaster of unknown for about three weeks because my HCG, my pregnancy hormone, was not doing what it's supposed to be doing, but it wasn't exactly doing what it's like not supposed to be doing. So there was uncertainty and unclarity. And I would really love to do a whole episode about that, which was an ended up being an ectopic pregnancy, a pregnancy that kind of got stuck in my fallopian tube. What happens is after the egg is fertilized, it needs to go through the fallopian tube and into the uterus. Mine decided to start growing in the fallopian tube where it can't grow and eventually will cause rupture to me and it can't exist there. So it's a non-viable pregnancy. I I certainly want to go into detail about that. And I had planned to before the second part of what I'm going to share happened, but that was kind of the ending, um, After uncertainty for a while, I eventually was able to figure out that it was an ectopic pregnancy, was rushed to the emergency room, and was given medication to clear it. Then had to be on a bunch of dietary restrictions in order to have the medications work. And I was still pregnant during that time, even though I had that shot. And it was just weird to be not pregnant, but pregnant and have all these dietary and and lifestyle restrictions while the ectopic was resolving. It's not one, two, three, boom. And then also, of course, mourning the loss. And although it wasn't a quote unquote wanted or planned pregnancy, it was a wanted pregnancy at the end. It still came with emotional grieving. And that sort of saga was starting to wrap itself up. My body, HCG, was starting to decline properly. And then on January 1st, 24 hours, a little less than 24 hours after my daughter started to have a fever, she she had what I now know is a complex febrile seizure at home, which essentially means her fever got so high, she had a fever. It was not a, what's it called, like a simple fever, simple febrile fever, which is uh, less than a minute and they returned to baseline. It was much longer than a minute and she was not returning to baseline. I, I, I don't really know how to describe it, but I guess it's not necessary to describe it anyway. Nonetheless, we were taken to the emergency room and she had 107.4 fever. They called code sepsis. Her vitals were all out of whack and it was a tornado going on of doctors rushing in, things beeping, me having to move to the side as the mother and being helpless while she was helpless. And it was soul crushing. From there on in, it kind of only got worse. (laughs) We spent five days, four nights at the hospital, which felt like 10 years and definitely took 15 years off of our lives. Uh, She did not show signs of improvement after that. She was found COVID positive out the door, but we thought that that was possibly an incidental finding because we didn't have COVID. She hadn't been anywhere. And most importantly, she didn't have any COVID symptoms. The doctors were concerned about other things, possibly the seizures related to something going on in her brain or meningitis. Long story short, everything kept coming back negative, which was a good thing, but at the same time, very frustrating when she wasn't improving. By day 4.5, I was, by day four, 
I was pleading with God. I went to the temple or the chapel in the uh, hospital. I had reached out to friends to pray for her, and God showed up. I, I know that some of you might not be God people, but I am. And I have found that that was our, our, our answer. At day 4.5, she turned a miraculous corner of showing signs of improvement. Uh, we didn't think she was going to walk or talk again. And she started to walk and even be, I'm sorry, talk and even be a little bit funny. And on day five, we were out of the hospital home and orienting. And since then she has just flourished. She's back to herself. And the whole experience has been dramatic to say the least on day I think it was 3.5 or 4 in the hospital which again felt like at least a month in the hospital I was like I don't know what sort of life I'm returning to after this and I need to take everything work related off of my plate that's when I texted Amy um, Amy Brown I'm part of the Amy Brown podcast network she's also an amazing friend and I was like I don't know what to do and she's like we got you and that's why the last couple episodes were covered by Amy and Kat and one from Outway, which was a shared podcast with me and Amy. I am a huge fan of asking for help when you need it. It feels really crappy to say I can't do what I'm supposed to do, especially when that means other people working harder on your behalf. That's something that I'm really uncomfortable with, but I have learned that that is really the key to success and it doesn't make you a weaker person you have to save yourself certain times in order to be your true self and I needed space and time to clear whatever you know I need to do and I'm so grateful for them for stepping in I am nowhere near in the clear here when it comes to what I've emotionally experienced. Um, when I was in the hospital, I fully forgot about the ectopic pregnancy and loss because what was going on was scarier, I guess. And there's like an expression, I, I forget what it is, my sister-in-law Allie said it, but it's like, oh, you're complaining about your toe until your finger hurts. And then you're complaining about your finger. You know, it's like whatever that newest pain is, that's what takes priority in your mind. So I had really kind of like stopped focusing on that and I left the hospital with the most gratitude for what I had just experienced. Being on the other side, having our baby smiling, walking, talking again, eating, uh, not being away from the beeping lines of the hospital that made us absolutely mad. Oh my gosh, it just felt like everything was better. The grass was greener. The food tasted better. When we hug in our house, like we're hugging for longer. We're kissing with meaning. We're saying, I love you, not just because we say love you and, and it's it's habit. We're, we're, we're so steeped into the present filled with gratitude and, and in the least like a formulated way. A lot of times when we talk about gratitude, we talk about how to cultivate gratitude through daily practices, naming things that we're grateful for, writing them down in our journal. Those are all wonderful but I've done zero quote unquote like work to cultivate this. It has just blossomed from the experience. And it's such an expansive emotion that fills your body with peace because with gratitude comes with feelings of enoughness. This is enough. And it puts a stop to the anxiety and all the things that we do think, say, feel that get fed off that place of it's not enough. 
And just walking out of those experiences, both the loss and the hospitalization and everything that we experienced, I was jolted awake. And most importantly, it has allowed me to connect with human beings that have experienced things that before these last two and a half months, I had never experienced. And although I could relate and, and listen compassionately with my friends who have had fertility struggles, miscarriages, inability to get pregnant, ectopics, you know, it was so out there kind of, you know, I knew this was something that we deal with, but I really didn't have the grasp, of course, that I have now that, that experiencing it yourself really gives you. When you drive a vehicle so reliable, it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine, hosted by me, Danielle Robay, And me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. Thank you for taking the light, and you're going to shine it all over the world, and it makes me really happy. I never imagined that I would get the chance to carry this honor and help be a part of this legacy. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side. I never thought I'd take my three young kids to Sicily to solve a century-old mystery. But that's what I'm doing in my new podcast, The Sicilian Inheritance. Join us as we travel thousands of miles on the beautiful and crazy island of Sicily, as I trace my roots back through a mystery for the ages and untangle clues within my family's origin story, which has morphed like a game of telephone through the generations. Was our family matriarch killed in a land deal gone wrong? Or was it by the Sicilian mafia? A lover's quarrel? Or was she? as my father believed, a witch. Listen to The Sicilian Inheritance on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And the same thing with the hospitalization. You know, I've talked to so many moms and parents whose either their children were hospitalized 20 years ago or right now or when the children were babies a couple years ago. And it like creates this this bond of like, I get it. I've been there. I got you. It hurts. There's trauma. There's trauma in your body. There's trauma that you're holding on behalf of your baby who had to go through it. And the experience has only made me more human, more whole, more connected to what nourishes me, which is community. I had one Instagram friend, a follower, reach out to me this past weekend, and she's like, I just have to tell you, my daughter started having seizures. We've been in the hospital for 10 days. Um, I'm going crazy, blah, blah, blah. And just like, I never even spoke to this person before, and I just gave her my phone number. And I'm like, I get it. I've been there. If you need someone to vent, like, just text me. And she texted me. And that's what it's about, being there for semi-strangers who just need a helping hand when you have no hope. There are so many experiences in life that beat you down and you are pulling your hair out and you want to run into a wall. And having somebody that is space, that, that gives you space to do so, is absolutely like 
the greatest gift of all time. And I'm so grateful that I could also pay that back to somebody so soon uh, because it is such an isolating, lonely experience. When I got out of the hospital, I wrote about it because within a day or two, I was very confused. I came to realize that being in the hospital, by the way, I successfully avoided the hospital for the last five or six years since my dietetic internship. You know, I birthed my baby at home. We never went to the hospital. And then in the past month, I've had to go for myself for the ectopic and then for her. But I forgot, or I have never been a patient, actually. I've never stayed overnight in a hospital before this. What a vortex a hospital is. I wrote this down and I just thought I'd share it for anybody that ever finds themselves in a hospital, God forbid, or has been there before. But I wrote, It's been seven days since the worst day of my entire life. The first five spent in a hospital, a vortex, technically 29 minutes from my home, but mentally millions of galaxies away. The hospital is a place where time doesn't exist. You know you're moving forward because they're here to check your vitals again. There's a new nurse on staff and the sun has rose and now it is falling. But outside of these markers of time, time has no significance. In this vortex, there's no knowledge of anything outside of it. Our jobs, our home, our bills, social media, none of it exists, not even in our minds. The noise comes to a halting stop when you're faced with the only thing that matters. Clarity. In the vortex, there's clarity. All the things that you bicker about, the time you spend buying things online or worrying about, it all falls to the side. Your eyes are narrowed in on what's important and your heart and body never get distracted. It's been seven days, we're home, like it's never happened. But in our bodies, we know it did. Time, who are you and what do you want? I don't know if this will speak to anybody, but I, when coming up with what I wanted to share today, I just wanted to share that, how time is such a thing that we can count on. We know seconds go by, minutes go by, but how drastically different it can feel in different situations that we're in. 30 seconds of somebody's life can feel like, 30 minutes, right? Like when we hear about a really traumatic thing that happened in somebody's life, it could be one minute long, but their story of it is 30 minutes long. How can that be, right? Time is less tangible than it seems when we are emotionally disturbed or in the throes of it. Since then, it's been about three weeks since we got back from the hospital. I am still, for lack of a better word, happy, grateful, grass is greener, cookies taste sweeter, I hug for longer, all of that. But I am dealing with PTSD in a very classical way, meaning I do have visions and I'm instantly kind of thrown back into fear out of the middle of nowhere, flashbacks specifically. I have a little bit of like an attachment to the events. I'm like afraid to lose touch with what happened because of a feeling of this was like the most important moment of our lives and I need to stay close to that meaning because that that moment because it I don't know there's just something about it that just makes you want to stay very close to this shaping event that you went through even though it is triggering blinding and makes it hard to do everything else interestingly at this moment in time somebody who has struggled with depression and anxiety I would not say that that's how I feel. I don't feel depressed or necessarily like straight up anxious at all times. Certainly there are anxious bouts that come along with the PTSD, but it's much more like PTSD focused and 
most frustratingly, I'd say, will be sleep. My sleep is very disrupted. As many of you know, I struggled with sleep my entire life. It's only in the last couple of years that I've really gotten it under control with good sleep habits, sleep hygiene, and rituals. But biologically, like when I go to close my eyes often at night, it's like I'm sleeping with one eye open, monitoring, want to be there if my daughter needs me. It's, it's a very biological primal thing that I'm on high alert after this to be her protector and it's beautiful that we are so primal but it makes it very hard to progress in the modern world where we have jobs and responsibilities and got to be up in the morning and do the damn thing again so that has been like my greatest frustration just struggling with sleep and my body fighting me that being said i am seeing this as an opportunity to refine my sleep habits i have been getting sloppier at night with what i do spending more time online on my phone just not keeping it real tidy around sleep time so it is something that i'm going to be working on again so that I can not reach for unhealthy substances to get me through this. And what I mean by that is in the past when I have had scary things, I mean, my, my history with food, it, it had a lot to do with numbing and distracting and running away. And I'm facing this head on every day. I feel like the trauma kind of regrows in my body every night when I go to sleep and then every morning it's my job to clear it away and then in the day it might sneak up too and it's my job to notice it and be tender with it and acknowledge it and recognize it and even thank it but bypass it it's not like a one-time thing and I'm very you know aware of that One of the things that I thought was really interesting that I discussed with my therapist, and it has to do with trauma in general, so if you've ever gone through something traumatic, which if you're listening to this podcast and you're over the age of three, you know, chances are you've gone through something traumatic. It's very strange to be able to remember and not remember. My brain is able to, it's hard to explain, but it's almost like when I think back to the event in my home, that was the absolute most terrifying moment of my life. I almost don't remember it. Like if you asked me to describe it, I couldn't. Or if I did describe it, I would be telling you like what I had said the next day, but by memory of remembering what I had said, but not actually being able to visualize it right now. But then there are those moments where I get the flashbacks and I do visualize it. Like right now, I'm not visualizing it. So this weird way of remembering and not remembering and how the brain does these things in normalcy when it comes to traumatic experiencing. I felt very frustrated by not being able to cognitively remember when I wanted to. And I felt a lot of peace when my therapist was like, it's normal to remember and to not remember. So for anybody who might be feeling that with any sort of event that they went through, I just wanted to pass that along. But it has probably been, you know, the most frustrating part has been the sleep. And then the second part, having these weird attachments of shame to not being able to remember what is so important. And at the same time, really wanting to be able to move forward. I think that we are moving forward and with immense gratitude for what happened and putting fear in a box to only appropriately open. Obviously, uh, she actually got sick again last week and I nearly lost my damn mind. Thankfully, she did not get a fever, but her getting a fever again, which will inevitably happen, is going to be a huge trigger for me. And I... 
I'm terrified of that. I know that I'm not alone because plenty of moms deal with their children who consistently get febrile seizures. It's a common thing for babies under a certain age for when they get fevers, they get the febrile seizures. I think that those are a little bit different than what Soli had, which was a complex seizure. I think with typical febrile seizures, it's like they babies have seizures for like less than a minute and then they orient back to consciousness. So I don't know if I'm necessarily like if this is a valid fear, if when she has a seizure, if she has a fever again, that she's necessarily going to um, seize. But it's definitely something that I'm going to be tripped up over. Her being sick in general is just frightening and it's hard. It's really hard because the seizure is what brought us to the hospital. And if she didn't have that seizure, I wouldn't have gone to the hospital. And if I, sorry, if, if she was sick and I took her to the hospital, there would have been nothing that they could have done before that event. So it's kind of just this taking care of your babies at home on your own. Like I know Evan's a doctor, but he's not a pediatrician and like not having the medical degree and trying your best to monitor things at home the best you can. When you get a baby that won't drink water, who won't take their medicine, she doesn't take the the Tylenol and Motrin, she spits it out, she hates it, won't let you take their temperature properly. Like it feels like so much to manage as a mother and the caretaker and protector and it's just such an overwhelming job. <laughs> I mean, I knew that motherhood and parenting would be hard, but I did not know that it would truly be like living with your heart on your sleeve and feeling the outside world so intensely. And 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 it it just I love it. I love what motherhood has done to my heart and my soul. Pain is so much more worse, but joy is so much more amplified that I just want to be clear here when I'm talking about the hard parts of motherhood that the other side is only available because of the hard stuff. And I just could not imagine my life without this girl. She's just an incredible fighter. Um, Her zest for life is just great you know she's hilarious she's got such funny quirks and she's just so herself and I said that when she was in my belly like this girl is herself and here she is she's still herself and I just pray that as she makes her way into normal society she too can be herself and I hope that I always make space to let her be herself Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine, hosted by me, Danielle Robay, And me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. Thank you for taking the light, and you're going to shine it all over the world, and it makes me really happy. I never imagined that I would get the chance to carry this honor and help be a part of this legacy. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side. Every family has skeletons in their closet. Mine certainly does. Ones that go back a hundred years and reach thousands of miles back to our hometown in Sicily. Ever since I can remember, my relatives told the story of my great-great-grandmother who was killed by the mafia. I'm Joe Piazza, and in my new podcast, I'm taking on a generational vendetta, visiting the scene of the crime, confronting mafia experts, tracking down Italian officials, and even consulting mediums to set the record straight on my great-great-grandmother's mysterious disappearance. And in between the fact-finding missions, I'll be drinking a lot of wine and eating all of the pasta. Come to Italy with me to solve this hundred-year-old murder mystery. 
Listen to The Sicilian Inheritance on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, listener. I'm Carol Fisher, the host of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister. I'm so excited for you to hear the brand new season where we're uncovering a 35-year-old mystery. But for those of you who didn't hear season one or just want to listen to it again, you can now get access to all episodes of that first season of The Girlfriends 100% ad-free through the iHeart True Crime Plus subscription, which is available exclusively on Apple Podcasts. You'll also get access to every single episode of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister, ad-free and one week early, only available to iHeart True Crime Plus subscribers. So what are you waiting for? Head to Apple Podcasts, search for iHeart True Crime Plus, and subscribe today. So that's kind of what's been going on here. I've been doing what I call a five by five mindful morning. And this is in part what I have learned from my advanced yoga teacher training that I've been in, some new tools that I've learned from them, and then I've kind of added on to it. So I wanted to share it with you. So in my yoga teacher training, we started every Saturday that we had with pranayama, breath work, and meditation, and then journaling. And it was really overwhelming because every time that we sat to do this, it wasn't the same. We would be learning different pranayama techniques, different breathing techniques. And it's very hard to do yoga teacher training because you really want to digest the information so that you can pass it along. But when you're experiencing this breathing, these breathing techniques for the first time, you really need to just experience them, like as if you were just attending a breathwork class and your only job there is to follow the instructor's command. When you're in a yoga teacher training, you're trying to do that, but you're also trying to remember what they're saying, doing, the wording, the different counts of breath, the inhale, the exhale, the pauses, this, so that if it feels really good for you, you can pass that on to your students. That's kind of like what trips you up. That's what tripped me up a lot in my yoga teacher training. But every time we would sit, we would learn a different breathwork technique and then we would have a little bit of meditation and then journaling. At the end of the program, somebody, um, this woman, Christine, Christine, if you're listening, thank you, gave us some feedback. She did the 200 hour with Yoga Shanti. I was in the 300. And she had said that after her 200 hour, she was curious how to implement this as well. And Rodney Yee, our teacher, gave her the advice to just pick one breathwork technique and focus on that every single day for a couple of weeks or a month until that feels good. So she chose one breath technique and she would drop into that, then meditate and journal and go about her day. So I was like, wow, that feels great. I'm going to start with this breathwork. I'm going to do inhale for four seconds, pause, and then exhale for four seconds, pause, and then continue that exhale for another four seconds pause. That was just an example of one of them that you could do. Really good for the nervous system and calming. And I thought that would be a good one to kind of start with. So I picked one and within about a week or so of nailing that, I was like, you know what? I can be more fluid with this. I can tap into different types of breath work. More inhale, more abrupt inhales can be more energizing. That could be more helpful during the day. So more of like a 
there's so many variations, but I started to play around with what would feel good and notice how breath manipulation and awareness was affecting my cognitive state. So with this, I came up with the five by five mindful morning, which I've been trying to do just about every day. It's not necessarily all the five, but for those of you that are interested, just thought I would share. So it starts, it's 25 minute practice because it's five and five of each of these things. Five minutes of wake and shake. So you wake up and you just start shaking. Shaking is, if you're not familiar, is a really primal practice to release trauma from your body. It feels really good. It wakes up the brain and it's also really detoxifying as it helps the body and the lymph move out. So five seconds of jumping up and down changes the brain. Again, doesn't need to be full on dancing. Your feet can stay planted. You can just shake your upper body, but you will feel a shift. Then I go into a five minute body scan. So either sitting or laying, I breathe normally and I just evaluate my body from top to bottom and find what's tense, what feels lopsided and see what I can soften. I usually start with my jaw. That's usually a tight place, make my way to my hips, my fingers, back up into my brain. Can I soften my eyes? Can I get heavier wherever I am and let go? And it's such a beautiful practice of closing the blinds and shining light on the inside parts of you to see what needs your attention, especially as going through like the ectopic, I might notice like a light sensation on the right side where it was or is still actually, it's still there, believe it or not, just not live, but the massive cells takes a while to degrade. And then I'll move into five minutes of pranayama. So choosing one breath work for the day where I'm just focusing on my breath and it's very normal for the mind to wander. And then you come back to your breath and five minutes is just like the perfect amount of time. I think for that, especially when you're just starting pranayama, which can be completely overwhelming. And then five minutes of meditation and everybody has different ways in which they meditate. Uh, My tried and true way over the last couple of years has been to like drop into my body and I drop and I drop and I drop till I reach this subconscious place where things start to surface for me. And I'll have thoughts about different people in my family or situations at work, something that's just like disgruntling to me, like ruffling my feathers. And if I, like a big one comes up and I'm like, oh, that one's too big to tackle today. I'll kind of just put it over to the left in a little box, scoot it over and then let the next thing surface. And it might be a tension relationship I'm having with this person in my life. And I will sit with it for a few minutes and I will see what arises. And it's usually tenderness and compassion for person, for self, for our relationship. And I walk out of that. I come back to conscious feeling more open hearted rather than hard, rather than this person is toxic. I'm going to cut them out or this person is so annoying. They always do this. They're reckless. They don't pay attention to my feelings. They told me that I'm this, like I really settle with it. And from that place, I'm better able to be an active person in whatever that relationship is rather than continue the dynamic that's no longer working. I don't know if that makes sense for anybody, but if you try it out and something, it kind of happens and and you're able to experience it to some degree, I know I'm kind of glossing over something very intense right now. It's just been the best thing for myself. And in the least, I walk away with awareness over what's bothering me. Like sometimes we stuff things down and we don't even know where they are anymore or that they're even there at all. So anger might come up. Like if I'm mad at Evan, my partner, right? And I come back and I'm like, I just want to let you know that I'm still upset about blah, blah, blah. And he's like, 
okay, well, I thought we got over that or that was a long time ago and be like, well, you know what? I meditated and it turns out that I am holding some sort of resentment. Can we talk about it? And it's just really cool when you dive into the crevices of your body, let go of some of the consciousness and go inward and you're just like, let whatever come up, come up. So much information is living within our bodies. It's, it's awesome. And then after that, I'll journal because after that, I have some sort of clarity and I'm just letting it all out. Maybe it's what came up in meditation. Maybe it's about work. Some creative ideas might be blossoming. I'm feeling this, uh, blah, 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 blah. Like this morning, I, I just journaled a lot of the negativity that I picked up overnight um, about myself and about my work and about this. And I let it go there and seeing it on paper was freeing. It didn't make it more permanent to write it down. If anything, it made it less permanent by getting it out of my head, which was circling around it, serving nobody. So I'm calling this the five by five mindful morning. And like I said, it is five minutes of each of these things, five minutes of wake and shake, five minute body scan, five minute pranayama, five minute meditation, five minute journaling on vacation. Or if you just don't have enough time, you can abridge it to just any of these things, but how it sort of the origination of this was five minute body scan, five minute pranayama, five minute meditation, leaving out the journaling and wake and shake. But the accumulation of all of these, I think gives you a really whole experience in just 25 minutes. You're walking out really feeling whole, connected to self, enlivened. And then you're also free to take that further and move into yoga or your workout or whatever you do to align your physical body. But this core practice, I'm going to keep repeating and repeating every day. Like I said, the trauma picks back up into my body and I need to clear it away. The wake and shake is absolutely fantastic for that. And then I just continue to find more crevices of my body. You know, the body holds the score and taking time to be in your body by scanning it, by releasing, by bringing breath into it, which changes the mind. And then meditation, diving even more deeply into your subconscious and then journaling, just letting it all come out consciously. It's like a complete release in just 25 minutes. So that is what I'm working through. I really would love to do more in-depth episode about definitely the ectopic, the hospital stay. I am not sure if I could really process that right now um, or even in the near future, but the ectopic I would love to share so much because I learned so much going through the experience. And ultimately, when it comes to the hospital experience, there's so much that both Evan and I are passionate about after being patients on that side about the importance of advocating for yourself as a patient, being able to not get sucked into white coat syndrome where you lose your voice at the hospital, always asking questions, double checking the work of your nurses and doctors, remembering that they're people too and mistakes are made. We caught so many mistakes, which unfortunately also made this day, you know, lost our confidence in, in the people that were helping us as well. But nonetheless, we're happy that we caught the mistakes. Just, just really being able to advocate for yourself in these settings where you're in that vortex, right? That's how I started this. The hospital is a vortex where you lose your sense of self and you give up all of your autonomy to people who must know better. And in our situation, we had to advocate so hard for our daughter who is nonverbal. And even that was incredibly challenging to 
get heard. Uh, I have so much compassion for babies and elders. I think that there are obviously opposite ends of the spectrum, but very similar in the way that they are treated within a hospital because oftentimes they can't speak or they can't speak well or fast. They're not like society's expectation of being able to demand what they need and ask for it. Like they need so much advocacy to be treated like people. I definitely left this experience even more the importance of respecting your children, their space, talking to them about what's being done to their physical bodies when you, sorry, I'm going on a tangent here, but when it comes to like taking their temperature or she had a cold last week and I had to blow her boogies out and being like, this is what I'm going to do. Is that okay? Oftentimes you still have to do things that aren't okay, but you're explaining to them why rather than a lot of times when you're dealing with a nonverbal Um, anything like you stop explaining because you think they can't understand a lot of times people babies um, elders they can understand even if they can't speak Uh, and I just think that the respect for those populations uh, are the most deserving and also the most neglected okay that's where I'm at right now. Um, I just wanted to pop up and let you pop on here, let you hear my voice, let you know how I'm doing. I am excited for the rest of 2023. I am planning a retreat, the Meetreat, and I will have more details on that shortly for those of you that signed up to learn more. If you haven't signed up to learn more, I'm going to put the sign up in the show notes. That is going to be in May and you'll get more information coming soon, but it's going to be the ultimate intimate immersive experience filled to the brim with activities that are going to take you inward and connect you with your true self. Did I mention that it's also going to be fun? I know when it comes to healing and self-work and self-discovery, It can be very heavy. It oftentimes is heavy. And for our participants who are going to come, I'm not going to lie, there will be heavy moments, but it's also going to be really fun and enlivening and connecting and awakening. I know that because of my own personal me treat and going through the journey of leaving the real world into a few days of, of just being able to go off the grid. Lots of emotions come up, but it can also be done in a way that is super, super fun with fun, amazing, great people. So I'll put that below. And thank you for uh, being part of our journey, for rooting for my daughter, my family, all of that. And I guess most of all, for being part of my evolution. For these past two months that have changed me, have changed me for the better. I am not a girl. I am a woman. I am very much laser focused on what matters. Um, You will see that reflected in my social media, on my um, platforms, on on this podcast. It will be subtle. It's not like, okay, Lisa's doing social media completely different, but it is coming from a completely different place within me that is intentional, aware, and also doesn't give a fuck about a lot of things that were holding me back. And with that might come loss of followers and it might come uh, people that disagree or don't like who I am now and they signed up for a different version of me well I don't know how what else to tell you except for this is me now and perhaps we'll meet again later or maybe we won't and we go separate ways but I'm too clarified from this wake up to be anything other than my true self so thanks for hanging here and I'll see you back here next week
Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of On Purpose. This week, I talked to Tiffany Haddish in a hilarious, deep, thoughtful interview where we dive into family trauma, grief, sobriety, love, and dating. I got a big heart, and I'm very forgiving, but, like, don't abuse it. It's been abused enough. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss this one. Hi there, I'm Bob Pittman, Chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. Welcome to Math & Magic, Stories from the Frontiers of Marketing. This week, I'm talking to the one and only Ryan Seacrest. Love the connection to people. I think at the core, what I get excited about, what gets me up in the morning, is connecting with people in an unscripted, unvarnished way. Is getting to, to say something to them, hear back from them, know that I'm part of the routine, and I look forward to getting on the air. I look forward to it. In these exciting times, we're looking to the math, the strategy and analytics, and the magic, the creative spark more than ever. Listen to Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Imagine you ask two people the same seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including Courtney Cox, Rob Delaney, Liz Fair, and many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers.